a busy weekend. All the rival teams going at it. And in particular, right here in the Seacoast, the Exeter Blue Hawks and the Winnicunit Warriors. And to talk about all the different sports and all the different action that went on this past week, we have as our special guest today, Sam Bruno and Roger Brown from the Union Leader and the New Hampshire Football Report.com. Before we get into the overall picture of what went down, let's talk about the football contest. And, and Roger, you were there. How does a team, the Blue Hawks, that were averaging 30 points a game, basically come up with only three or a three nothing shutout? Well, I think it was two things, Sharon, from what I saw. It was mostly Winnicunit's defense, which was particularly strong in the interior where Exeter likes to run the ball between the tackles. So that was the biggest part of it. They were, they were very good defensively. Um, but it was like a November night weather-wise in terms of the wind and whatnot. So, you know, it made, it made what little passing there was almost impossible to do. Um, so it was a combination of good winning kind of defense, uh, you know, some, some bad weather or tough weather to play in. And I'm guessing the Exeter coaches would tell you, you know, not every blocking assignment was executed as it should have been. Not a total surprise. When it kind of, it's been playing good defense, their struggles have been on yeah. offense, which they had again. Right. Um, their biggest problem in that game was turnovers, I thought, you know, because they moved it okay. A big game for both teams, obviously, but when it kind of had to prove itself, you, like you just said, the defense proved itself, but what the offense just didn't, didn't have it going at all, right? Well, like I said, turnovers, you know, that I think they turned it over four times. I found it interesting that Coach Ball uh, elected to kick both halves uh, instead of receiving in the second half. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when it kind of wasn't like deep in Exeter territory, but they were moving and, uh, you know, there was an inter- uh, Evan Pafford had an interception on the first drive of the second half to, to pretty much, uh, you know, make that strategy sound and, and look good. Um, but even at the end of the game, I think, you know, when it comes final play was a fumble and I was watching the ball just go forward, looked like it was going to go into the end zone and could have been anybody's ball. Uh, but it ended up, you know, coming to a stop at the two yard line where Exeter recovered. But I think that was one of three fumbles that when it kind of lost during the game. So it, it wasn't like they were moving up and down the field by any stretch, but they didn't look anemic. I didn't think, you know, they were in the shotgun instead of under center, like they have been in most years. Uh, when they did get under center, they were running their veer stuff, you know, pretty well. I mean, it was a defensive battle on both sides, but the turnovers just uh, took away any chance when it kind of had to score enough points to win. And Sam, what did, what was your takeaway from what you saw? Well, in the I, game? I, I think I think the key to the game was the four winner kind of turnovers. Uh, you take those turnovers away, and the Warriors uh, might have pulled this one out. Uh, because of their defense, uh, because what they were able to do for the Exeter offense, um, they decided to just play it very conservative, uh, stay between the tackles. Very rarely did they uh, go to the outside with a quarterback bootleg or something like that, uh, which worked. Uh, I kept waiting for some sort of misdirection on the Exeter side, uh, but it wasn't there. Uh, they played a very conservative game. They didn't turn the ball over, which was great. And uh, I think that was the difference in the contest. Winnicunit, uh, hats off to the Warriors. Uh, they did not look like a team that hadn't won a game this season. 
Uh, every time Exeter got to the second level after the initial run, those linebackers for Winnicunnage shut them right down. They were right on the ball. So uh, uh, the Blue Hawks escape, and uh, now they get to uh, they they get to go to uh, Timberlane. Not going to be an easy game. Timberlane is out to prove that they deserve to be in Division One, and uh, they were the champions of Division Two last year. Roger, what what's uh, your feeling about that upcoming contest? I think their next two games, Exeter's next two games, are going to be very, very tough. I think Timberlane's already – and then I believe Exeter is going to play Bedford. It's just been outstanding, uh, particularly on defense. This is an important stretch. You know, that you figured it was going to kick off with a rivalry game, which would be tough, and it was. And now they have perhaps the two toughest on their schedule. I expect the both of these games to be really, really uh, close and, um, you know, team doesn't play well they're not going to win my head scratcher right now is uh roger what's with the spalding red raiders yeah 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 good to see right four and oh start uh haven't played the toughest of opponents you know but they did beat a a three and oh dover team last week so i think that probably convinced a few people that weren't on the bandwagon to jump on so to speak and, uh, you know, that's a team that struggled, proud program, um, didn't win a game last year. So in a lot of ways, I'm happy for them. You know, they got some big backs and, and it wasn't, it's not just one or two guys. They got three or four guys, uh, you know, rushing for a hundred yards. It seems like on a weekly basis. So, um, makes that end of the year game, certainly a lot more interesting, intriguing. Any other surprises in uh, Division One or any any of the divisions this uh, this past weekend that you heard about or saw? Nothing really, Sherm. I think the Spalding game was the one that got my attention. You know, they were up thirty to three on Dover. Uh, you know, and I, I I thought Dover would win the game. I certainly didn't expect it to be uh, lopsided in Spalding's favor. So that's the one that probably stood out. Milford struggled against Bow in Division Two. Milford was the runner-up last year. They're struggling, so that was a little bit of a surprise. But I think that uh, that Spalding win was the one that tops it for me. Bishop Girton, tell me a little bit. I, I don't know a lot about this Girton team. Is it is it dominant defense? Is it great offense? What is it? Very, very big up front, particularly their defensive line. And I mean right across the board big. Um, they got an experienced quarterback. Uh, who's a great athlete, basketball player, and, you know, an experienced running back in Charlie Bellavant. So these are all guys that were on their playoff team last year. Um, They added a few pieces. I heard they – I haven't seen them uh, in the regular season, but they they added, I guess, a wide receiver who's very good, pretty much a complete team. Um, You know, tough physical. I, I would say they got a little bit of everything from what I know. They can throw it, run it, play defense. Um, got size, strength. You know, they're going to be formidable for anybody. And they got the Green Bay Packer outfits. <laughs> <laughs> they do. Yeah. <laughs> the rivals were facing off against each other. Exeter winner kind of was a lot of fun. And uh, four out of five victories for the Blue Hawks. Uh, Sam, you want to run us down on what we? Yeah, saw? I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I, I am gonna be kind of a downer here and start with the only loss, which was okay. the field hockey team. Okay, yeah, the, the, the girl, the girls' field hockey team lost a tough one in overtime. Uh, the tying goal came in the, like the last 15 seconds, and then they dropped uh, the game to the Warriors in overtime. But it's certainly not an upset. I mean, Winnicott is an eight and one 
field hockey team and Exeter is eight and one right now. And uh, those teams will probably meet somewhere down the road again. Uh, so uh, uh, Deb Grotz team is uh, certainly a team to, to be reckoned with during the season. Wyndham is always going to be a tough team and they're going to be the leaders right now in the clubhouse at eight and one. Uh, you know, we're, we're approaching the midway point of the seasons now or just past halfway. So uh, it's starting to look ahead for playoff positioning in those types of situations. But again, as you said, Sherm, both the boys and girls soccer teams beat the Warriors and the volleyball team beat the Warriors. So it was a pretty good uh, couple of days. Good weekend. Good weekend. Well, a boys soccer exer uh, is going into this week's play at uh, six and two. And uh, that puts them in around fourth or fifth place in Division One. Everybody, there are no undefeated teams in boys Division One soccer right now. So uh, people are knocking off each other right now. So Dan Curran's squad, a winning record as we get to the midway point and uh, should be pretty good down the stretch. Uh, for Megan Young, 8-0. I mean, don't we always say that? Portsmouth Clippers, though, watch out for Portsmouth. They lead Division One right now with a 9-0 record. So uh, the second half of the season, uh, Exeter will certainly be up there. Uh, Unified Soccer, uh, Exeter's only played one game. They've got a game coming up this week. Uh, they're 1-0 right now. And uh, Sherm, you follow the golf team. Yeah, what's I was going to bring what's with the What's with the Exeter golf team? 23-0. Yeah. They haven't lost a match this season. Yeah. Now, Coach Bailey said that uh, he was he was he was stacked. This team is stacked, and uh, they are this season. We'll have to get him back on the show, and maybe some of the, the players this year because they just are the dominant team. Well, let's move on to the college ranks. The uh, Wildcats had a big game uh, against one of their old rivals, Towson, and a uh, big game for Dylan Lobby. Uh, Roger, you want to talk about that a little bit? It was a game that. Uh... You know, special teams certainly sparked them. They opened the game with an onside kick that they recovered. That led to a field goal, one of three field goals. And if you've been a UNH football fan over the years, you know field goals haven't come easy for that program. So uh, Nick Mazzi, a freshman, was three for three in that area. And then Lobby, uh, I think it was he tied a school record with a 92-yard punt return for a TD yep. to make it 10 nothing. So, you know, special teams got them out of the gate strong. and. Uh, you know, one of their better all-around performances against Towson and uh, put them at 3-0 and in the CAA going into a, you know, a tough FBS game against Western Michigan. But I don't think it's one of those games that you just mail it in and accept your 42-6 to loss. I think, I think they can give Western Michigan some trouble. They've, you know, that's a team that's struggling at uh, quarterback position. And, uh, you know, who knows if they can stick with them and uh, keep it close late maybe pull out a win like they did in the, you know, those Ricky Santos days when he was playing against these FBS teams. How about uh, uh, Brosmer? Three TD passes, no interceptions. Uh, another strong game from Joey Corcoran, who's uh, played his prep school football in Concord at St. Paul's school. Seems to be emerging as maybe their top wide receiver. Um, and, you know, Dylan Ruiz opposite Josiah Silver. I think he had three sacks in the game. So, wow. You know, maybe they're making teams pay for focusing on Josiah after his, you know, breakout freshman year, strong freshman year. Hmm. Um, a lot of positives for UNH in that game. You know, both sides of the ball, and as I mentioned, special team. Coming off a loss, that's pretty much what you want to see, you know, a rebound effort like that where they're good in all three phases and, and uh, 
you know, have some confidence going into what will probably be their toughest game of the year. Yeah. And that, uh, I was going to say after Western Michigan, we get homecoming game and Sam, you want to just talk about that a little bit? Stony Brook. Yeah. Stony Brook's coming to town. That's going to be a three 30 game on uh, Saturday, the eighth. Uh, so uh, that's always a big crowd and uh, exciting. And, uh, you know, I think I, I agree with Roger. I think Western Michigan uh, is not going to be a, uh, a definite win, you know, definitely put that into the column. I think uh, UNH's defense can uh, can keep it close. Uh, you know, I think I think like any game like that, you've got to get through the initial five or ten minutes uh, and just not get blown off right off the bat. You know, mm-hmm. and get behind right away. If they can, if they can play a solid first quarter, I think they could probably hang with them. I think. Rick Santos has got this team pumped and jacked and they're ready to take on anybody. And uh, it should be an interesting game. Um, going to go to the Patriots. Oh. What was your take on what you saw? We'll start with you, Sam. I'll tell you, uh, the glory days are over. Uh, you know, it's, it's just the Patriots defense is just a mess right now. And, uh, you know, they hung in there offensively and had a couple of leads in that ball game yesterday, but uh Lamar Jackson may be back to his MVP form. Uh, what a great game uh, he had! Uh, but you can't you can't give up thirty seven points and win in the NFL. It just it just can't happen. And you know, I really thought the Patriots, in front of their home crowd for the first time, um, would have been uh, given a better defensive effort in that ball game. But it just didn't happen. Worst part was that uh, Mac Jones goes limping off the field. It was a severe upper sprain to his ankle that's what they're saying but you know they still are being cautious about what uh, his status will be for the upcoming week against green bay and that's going to be a contest for sure first off you know any any feelings you had about that game with the patriots but also what your take is on on what's happening in the nfl there's no real dominant dogs everybody's kind of feeling their way out bills right now uh tampa bay green bay uh who else kansas city nobody's dominating right now so what, what's your take the Patriots, they're, they're, in terms of them, they're pretty much giving me what or giving us what I thought they would. I, you know, I didn't have high hopes for them. So it's back to the days where any game you can win is, you know, enjoyable for those of us old enough to remember those days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, you just got to readjust your expectations. Um, with Mac, you know, those high, if it is a high ankle sprain, which, like you said, Sherman, is what's been reported, at least as of right now, you know, those high ankle sprints can go on for a long time. Mm. You know, just mm. ask the guys at UNH. That's that's not like a regular sprain where you give it three or four days and you come back. You know, that can go on. I've seen that keep people out for, you know, half a season or more. Not saying it will with him, but you just never know. It's, it's one of those things that, you know, could be worse than it sounds. Um, I like the fact that there's no dominant teams. You know, I think it makes it more interesting. Uh, you know, like I watched the Jaguars Chargers game and, uh, you know, just got throttled Chargers, you know, which a lot of people thought that was a Super Bowl team. So it's good. You know, you got more games that, uh, you know, could go either way. That's more entertaining. I don't like it when there's two or three teams that are, you know, eventually going to get there where I like, I like every game to be up in the air, toss up. And hopefully that's what we have. The, the infamous word parody. Sam, what's your take on the NFL? At this well, point? the darling of the NFL is Tua uh, with those Dolphins and the way that they're playing right now. Uh, you know, don't discount the New York Giants. And finally, for the Patriots, um, we've been in that spot before. I say we. Uh, we've been at one and two 
early in the season and Bill and the staff have been able to turn it around. Can this staff do it? Again, I said before the football season started that the Joe Judge, Matt, Patricia, Bill Belichick triumvirate was a mistake. And I guess I'm still going to stay with that. Yeah, the Mac Jones uh, injury could play uh, havoc with uh, a lot of things. Okay, two words, Sherm. Two words to remember. Bailey Zappi. (laughs) Okay. We may be be entering the Bailey Zappi era. Uh, Brian Hoyer's gonna look, be <laughs> look look what look what happened when Bledsoe got hurt hmm. 20, 20 years later. I would much rather see Zappy than Hoyer this week. I gotta right. tell you, like that's yeah. the difference between me watching and not watching. Yeah, I right. agree. I mean, you're right. There could be lightning in a bottle. This is how Tom Brady got his big shot, right? We don't want to see it happen that way. But uh, the big news story uh, of the week: this mess with the Celtics and their head coach. Uh, Emia Duca, what, what's your take on it? We'll start with Sam. Sam? Well, from, from, a, from a purely basketball standpoint, uh, changing coaches a week before the season starts uh, is always going to be an emotional turmoil for the team. Now, on the other hand, basketball season goes for so long that there's some time here to get things in order. Um, should the Celtics have gone with a Division II, Division three coach assistant in Joe Missoula? Or should they have gone and hired someone with more experience that might be on the sidelines somewhere uh, to come in and take over and be the interim coach for a year? Um, That surprised me a little bit that Stevens didn't come down from the general manager's office first, uh, but also that they didn't hire someone out of the situation. The other situation is the human resources side. Okay. And this is more of the legality, more of the uh, issue of, um, Uh, him not following team policies in situations like this. Um, I think the Celtics are going to be called on something, which is if they knew about Udoka's indiscretions in the summer, supposedly then they hired a private firm to do an investigation. They got the investigation results and then they suspended him. In most human resources cases, What happens is if something like that comes to the attention of the management, you immediately suspend the person and then do the investigation. So I think Udoka should have been suspended this summer Mm. while the investigation was going on. So I think that's where the Celtics made a little bit of a mistake and they're going to get called on that. What about you, Roger, as far as this situation? How do you, what's your take on it? I guess I don't understand why the other party hasn't been reprimanded. It was a Celtics employee, right? That's the way I understand, yeah. yeah. So I don't understand that part of it because uh, they would have broken company policy as well, right? Well, that's the thing. We They they, they may have done that, but they, the, the press is not focusing on that person. They're focusing strictly on the head coach. And I think you're, you're right. That hasn't come out. So uh, to my knowledge, I haven't heard anything about so that. So that part is strange and it makes me wonder exactly what he did. Yeah. You know, if if one person's being penalized and the other Mm -hmm. one is not, of course, a year long suspension makes me wonder what he did as well. Since we've had things like players choking their coach and they haven't got suspended Mm -hmm. for this long. Mm -hmm. And I I assume he's going to be fired at the end of his suspension. Mm -hmm. Uh, They probably can't fire him now because, for legal reasons, I'm guessing. I don't know. 
Uh, I would think if they could have, they would have probably. Um, so supposedly, well, supposedly he was going to resign and when this all came out. He, he was so upset at the way it was handled. He was going to resign. But then probably his lawyer said or his agent, don't do that. Don't do that. Because Sam brought it up. It's got to go through a lot of processes. Probably money involved if he resigns as opposed to being fired right. and all that stuff. So, right. I agree with you, Roger, that uh, if the only policy that was violated was a consensual relationship between two employees, I agree with you that the punishment may not fit the crime. I'm guessing that there were other policies that must have been violated here for this yeah. to happen. He did some pretty bad stuff. I haven't heard anything about the NBA getting into this thing at all. I think it's manage a management employee situation. Okay. So, with, so that, that, that there is no penalty at this point for the NBA to impose upon the Celtics and or the coach. I don't think that. I don't think I don't they think violated that. an NBA policy. It was just a no. Celtics policy, okay. right? Just Celtic. Okay, all right. It's, it's the only thing I, because there again, uh, if this thing goes to a court situation, it'll linger for a long time. I mean, go back to baseball with Alex Cora and the Houston Astros and the cheating scandal. I mean, he did the right thing. I mean, he, eh, I guess he admitted to, that they were cheating, and he took yeah. his punishment. He took his year off. The, the Celtic, I check that, the Red Sox management went down and, and talked it over with him to see if he, you know, was serious and, and, and sincere about it. Uh, and he was and say, okay, we forgive you. Let's come, come back to the Red Sox and manage again. Uh, I don't know if this will happen with the Celtics. I really don't. Two minute drill time. I've got two things here, sure. Uh, one, uh, two big thumbs up to the NFL. They have just announced they have scrapped their all-star game, which was a joke. <laughs> you know, again, having an all-star football game where players play at 10% speed for the whole contest uh, is really just silly. It's just a way to get players to party for a weekend and get them to Hawaii or California or wherever they play the game. So they're going to go to an all-star, uh, not an all-star, but a, a competition-based, skills competition-based, like the NBA does on Saturday night and what the NHL does. Uh, they're going to have a flag football game. They're going to have it in Las Vegas. It's going to be a good time. And it's going to be the weekend before the Super Bowl, uh, which is late this year. Super Bowl is on February 12th this year. But I applaud the NFL for scrapping that meaningless, stupid NFL all-star game, uh, which made absolutely no sense. Everybody who gets picked, the starters decide they don't want to play because they don't want to get hurt. So they don't go. Uh, it was just stupid. Second thing happened on Saturday, Saturday afternoon, there's a great college football game going on between Clemson and Wake Forest. They're going back and forth and scoring and turnovers, and it eventually goes to overtime. ESPN, though, decided that every time Aaron Judge got up to bat to try oh, to see if yeah. we could get the record, they did a cut in to show and went split screen with Aaron Judge. This caused a furor of fans up in arms against ESPN. How dare you take my football game off the full screen to show me Aaron Judge? So I'm thinking to myself and I'm saying, has baseball fallen that far right now that you can't take 90 seconds out of a football game to watch a guy going for a, a long time record uh, and ESPN has been crucified for this right now. Uh, 
for doing this. So uh, I guess it's just an idea of where baseball and football is right now, uh, as far as the fans are concerned. Um, you know, there could have been some other options. For example, they could have waited to see if Judge got the home run, plugged it in after a break, and then this is just what happened, and then show it. You don't right. have to go. You don't have to go live to it. I was happy that Albert Pujols got his 700th and joined that elite group of Babe Ruth, Hank Aaron. And Barry Bonds. And before we go to Roger, I just wanted to get your picks. Now we're heading. We got one more week of the regular season left. Which Dodgers, now, Dodgers. Okay, I know you, the Dodgers. <laughs> what about you, Sam? What are you, what's your projection? Well, well, I I think the American League. You know, your your division winners are going to be the Yankees, Cleveland, and Houston. So you've got to think. You know, is Houston going to show up because they're the class of those three? Right. So. Cleveland has become the darlings of the American League. Uh, the Indians uh, have been playing great baseball. Of the wildcard teams, you've got Seattle, Toronto, and Tampa Bay um, out of those wildcard teams. So I think the American League, if Houston decides not to show up, I think any of those other teams could win it. So I think, again, it's going to come down to the pitching, who's got the best pitching staff. I, I, I think the Yankees are a mess. I think Toronto can't hit their way out of it. Cleveland's got a sneaky good rotation with McKenzie and Bieber. Um, Houston's got the class of the pitching. And Seattle has just gone into the tank for the last 10 days. So I don't know if they're going to be able to pull themselves out of it. Tampa Bay, never discount Tampa Bay. So I think Cleveland, Tampa Bay, and Houston I can discount the other three teams. Not that I'm anti-Yankee. Over in the National League, yeah, Dodgers, 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 Dodgers. Uh, Atlanta and St. Louis and, and Philadelphia. Yeah, who cares? The Mets. <laughs> can, they, they, again, it, it's not going to happen. So let's just get the Dodgers there. But the American League opponent is up for grabs. All right. All right. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hold, you, hold you that. But I got two things as well. Uh, the first one, locally, I was happy to see the Exeter win a kind of football game moved back to Friday night. It was used to be a Friday forever. They played it on Saturdays for a while for good reason, I'm told, but moving it to Friday night, I think it gives, uh, I don't know how many of these other rivalry games were played Saturday, but it gives that day where they have the spotlight on them, you know, over at when it kind of, there was games going on in the afternoon and those crowds just kind of moved over. It was cold, unfortunately, but, it's kind of like uh, part one of the doubleheader. If you go to the soccer game, then meander on over to the football. It helps the rivalry. So hopefully there's no shenanigans and they can con continue to play on Fridays. Um, number two, since we're just changing everything in Major League Baseball these days, any problems with shortening the season from April till the end of August and then have the playoffs? None. None. I, mean, I think it's a great you gotta idea. you got to be a diehard. I think your yeah. point with Aaron Judge just shows people – once football starts, baseball takes a huge backseat. So let's end it earlier yeah. and uh, maybe start it when the weather's warm. You'd have to play fewer games, but that would just make it more meaningful, I think, each game. So, Yeah, I agree with you there. And, and another thing they could do, I know they will never play the classic double headers again ever in our lifetime, but they can do the split bill thing. So they have a one o'clock afternoon game, like you were saying, and then have an evening you know, nightcap. That the unions probably will vote that down because it just isn't yeah, right. That's you know. the problem. They and, want and, yeah. more games means more money. They are ruining the sport with every move they do. 
Yeah, they complicate it. You're right. Uh, my two-minute drill. I want to, uh, and Roger, this is a, a lady you probably should try to get some information on and get an interview with. Londonderry, New Hampshire's 25-year-old Noelle Lambert. She is a U.S. Paralympian. Uh, six years ago, she lost a leg in an accident, and uh, she turned that tragedy into a, a, a triumph by by getting into the Paralympics and doing super in the Tokyo Games. She's doing something totally yeah, off off the charts, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm wishing her all the best because I'm a big fan of the television show Survivor, and that's where she is. She's on the island with 16 other people, and uh, we shall see how long she lasts. I hope right down to the very last uh, tribal council, we'll 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 have to keep tabs on Noel. And uh, I, it's it's what a what a what a gutsy kid. I mean, I, I saw the first show and. Uh, Nothing's going to stop her. She's, she, you know, she, and she doesn't, oh, woe is me. I'm, I've got a, a you know, handicap. No, not at all. Not at all. She's not playing that game or that card at all. And uh, she is going to give those guys and gals on the island a challenge. And, uh, and we'll see if Jeff Probst can avoid snuffing her torch and she gets to the, the final council and, and wins uh, a million bucks. So time will tell. And, and I'd love to have her on the show. I've always loved to. We've had a few people from New Hampshire on Survivor over the years. It would be fun just to have one of these people on and talk about the, the inner workings. For a guy like me, we know there's a lot of cameras and a lot of moving parts to that show that we don't see. And uh, they've tried to give us some insider looks over the past few seasons to keep it fresh. But uh, good luck to Noelle Lambert from Londonderry. And we'll be keeping tabs on her on the future shows here at the Seacoast Sports Forum. And before we sign off, I just want to ask you uh, anything that we should keep tabs on in New Hampshire football report that uh, are coming up. Well, I don't know. Just, you know, high school football fans, we're, we're at the midseason point here. We're, you know, so it won't be too long before the playoff picture starts to kind of take shape. So you keep mentioning it, but it is a new new setup this year. So people aren't as familiar with it. Something to look forward to and educate yourself on the playoff, uh, you know, possibilities, I guess, in the next couple of weeks. And then uh, they can always check uh, the special content on uh, New Hampshire Football Report. You always have some insider stuff going on with the Wildcats and, and other teams here in the state. So, yeah, all the UNH stuff is free this week. Um, you know, they're 3 0 start. We're just trying to get people more, uh, more engaged with the programs. NewHampshireFootballReport.com, folks. Remind everyone that if they're at any Exeter games and they want to take any video thank you. of games, thank you, thank you. please be sure to do that. Yeah, if you do go to any of our Exeter contests or any any contest in the Seacoast, send us the uh, video. It can be telephone video, you know, the camera from the phone. That's fine. Just send it to SeacoastSportsForum at Yahoo.com and our producer Bob will get it into the television version. So on behalf of Sam Bruno and Roger Brown from the Union Leader and the New Hampshire Football Report.com, this is Sherm Chester inviting you to join us for the next edition of the Seacoast Sports Forum.